Hello and welcome to another episode of Freightman's Podcast. I am your host, Freightman. All right, Nick, you ready? Go ahead, start playing now. Hello and welcome back, listeners. It's been a week since you last heard me on the interwebs. Uh, hopefully everybody is doing well on your side of the family and your side of the world, as we are doing very well as well. Um, besides washing our hands every single 15 minutes, uh, we're continuing potty training for those who keep in score. And unfortunately, we are losing that battle. Me and my wife are losing that battle of potty training our kids. And by kids, I mean the twins. That's right, the twins. Um, we're outnumbered, me and my wife. Unfortunately, we are outnumbered. And these kids have taken over control of the house. Uh, other than that, um, hopefully everybody's enjoying themselves uh, working from home. I am loving it. I don't think I'm ever going to go back to the office after this. Um, I wish everybody could work from home and enjoy it. Unfortunately, we can't go out because everybody's locked in their house or in their property. But I do hope you and your loved ones are keeping safe and taking all the precautionary measures to protect yourself from this virus, COVID-19 virus. Well, now that everybody's home and uh, has nothing else to do but listen to my voice, uh, if you're a band out there, I know it's hard times for you right now, uh, you musicians. Uh, go ahead and send me your music and I will play the whole album or the whole track. And hopefully I don't get kicked off uh, from the interwebs here. But uh, send me all your music and I will play it. And it has to be original music. It cannot be uh, copyrighted music or belongs to a friend. Make sure you send me mp3 files or WAV files or any kind of file. Send me a bird or something, a pigeon, and I will uh, I will play your whole album, your track, your EP, LP, WIP. I'll drink that, actually. But, uh, yep, send me your music, and I will play it. I'll make sure uh, one of these episodes, we play your music completely from start to finish. And, like I said, hopefully they don't kick me off the air. Now, for those of you keeping score, I still have two more episodes to release from the NAM show. And the summer NAM is pretty much around the corner already, um, if they actually have one. Uh, just like the uh, Summer Olympics, they are going to cancel that. So they, NAM Summer NAM might actually get canceled as well till next year. So, But I do have two more episodes to release that I haven't had just a chance to do them. Um, one of them is in Cantonese or in Spanish. And so I'm going to have to have someone translate it while I will translate it myself. So I'm not, I haven't decided yet how I'm going to do that. Either put it out the way it was recorded and then add a bonus track, which is translated in English, or translate it as the interview goes on. So for those of you uh, always uh, chit-chatting with me on Instagram um, or through email, go ahead and send me your suggestions, see, what, uh, see how you want to hear it. I'll let you guys decide on how you want to hear that uh, next interview. So today's interview, or the band I interviewed, uh, comes from Atlanta, Georgia. That's right, Atlanta, Georgia. And it's four gentlemen that um, have kind of nicknames to themselves. Um, they, for uh, a while back, had a um, post that they put of Pokemon cards, and each one of them 
had some kind of uh, nickname or super superpower or I guess what I'm trying to say is superhero power, but <laughs> once you realize some of these names, I guess uh, it's more of a self-defense -me uh, mechanism. So one of them's called the Harmonizer. The other one's called Barefoot. And then this is where it gets weird. And one of them's called Excessive Sweat. Then they end with Self-Depreciation. Um, I got to meet, uh, talk to them, got to chat with them uh, through Skype. And we had a very uh, long interview, interesting interview. Learned a lot from them. Uh, very great uh, gentlemen to speak to and very, very, very talented musicians. And let me just add, um, when you visit their website, the first thing you see is obviously their logo. They also say, we are Mounted Royal. But they have a little paragraph there if you actually read it. If, and it's pretty interesting and it's unique. And that's really something you don't see that I'm see that often and uh, like I said I, I caught this when I was um, doing my research on them and trying to learn more about them so I'm gonna go ahead and read that for you and it says uh, born with a sense of purpose and drive to breathe life into the new era of music built on a strong foundation of friendship playful expression and pl powerful performance Mountain Royal strives to lift up in its audience with the catchy hook-driven rock and roll that will make you feel good and think deeply. And let me just say, they touch on that every single word, every time they play. And if you uh, actually, we will be playing uh, one of their songs from their album that they'll be releasing on April 1st. Um, we'll play from start to finish so you can actually enjoy it. And, uh, well, you know what? Let's get this interview rolling. Here we go. Skype today's interview, we have the band Mount Royal. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. How are you? Doing very good. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. No, thank you guys for coming on. Awesome. Um, thank you for reaching out. That was really nice of you guys to be able to reach out uh, uh, to, towards me. I know you guys got busy there for a while working on uh, an album and something, right? Yeah, we've been recording. Uh, we're about to release our single On a Demand on April 1st, April Fool's Day. And uh, we've just been prepping for shows and stuff. We had a pretty big headlining gig that we were preparing for most of last month. Uh, and that was on the 28th. And that went well. So here we are. Nice. And now, now uh, give, uh, go ahead and give me a little bit of history about how the band started and how you guys all kind of came together and uh, formed uh, Mountain Royal. Well, first off, here's our drummer. Yeah. He's out of frame. You yeah, see there him? There he is. He's an Oh, there you are. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He's, he's, I'm so, sorry. So that's yeah, Chris, right? That's Chris. Yeah. This is AC. I'm Eric, and this is Cole right here. Oh, nice to meet you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you too. You too. Yeah, so we, man, uh, 
short history of the band. Uh, so we've known each other forever. Um, Chris and I have known each other since middle school, and then Chris, Eric, and I, or Pete and I, really have known each other since uh, high school. And then Colin and Pete and Chris met in college, and then we all reconnected in Atlanta. Um, and they had uh, tons of different bands, and we're always playing music together. Um, and then when we reconnected, uh, <laughs> we uh, we formed. Uh, we, we were all here in Atlanta, and we formed uh, another band, um, took a little break afterwards, and then got back together with Mount Royal and started just pumping out music, and it came pretty naturally. And uh, and so then it, it resulted in an album being released, so we have our self-titled album on, on all streaming platforms, and it's got a, a bunch of different feels and genres on it, and it's kind of a culmination of all the time we spent together apart um, and the history we all share together. But uh, really, can kind of boil it down is, you know, we're just we're four best friends, you know, going through the ups and downs of, of writing music and hanging out, and so um, yeah, it's a ton of fun. But yeah. I, I wanted to add to you that like we all, they kind of know each other from school, and we all kind of have a background in music. But really, kind of what has brought us together and kept us like together, I guess, is um, our connections through Eric, because Eric uh, obviously has been playing dr drums with Chris, you know, for ten years, and we're playing so. We just kind of knew we wanted to do music and we wanted to do music with each other because it just clicked. So that's why, you know, and then we just incorporated AC and we're like, wow, this clicks even harder. So we just have kept that group. It's yeah. So hard, cool. hard, bro. <laughs> now, originally you guys were named something else, right? Honey, uh, clutch. Yeah. Yeah, the How did you guys yeah. come up with that name? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we uh, we actually got that band together and uh, recorded a demo in one night. Like stayed up all night recording this thing, and uh, applied to a few festivals, and it just kind of faltered out. We it, took a break. And yeah, then we reformed. It was at a point in our lives where like some of us had just gotten out of college and working, and Eric was still in law school. It was just like a really demanding time. Like we didn't have a practice space really. Like we were living in little apartments. Like it was more difficult. Yeah, we had to. We we farther apart. Yeah, farther, much farther apart. We had to drive a good bit to get up to the where we were playing, and uh, yeah, so we took, I don't know, almost a year. It was about a year. About a year off. Yeah, year and a half. Yeah, maybe. yeah time's flying, but um, it was good. I mean, we all got our individual lives, you know, on track into a good spot, and uh, and then yeah, like I said, when we got back together, um, the music that came out, it was just song after song after song in, in different genres and uh and we were able to compile it you know with an open mind and uh and, and throw it on the album yeah i think what's cool is we do cross a different title to album it's like a hodgepodge of different genres such thing yeah yeah and uh different that's kind of what we wanted to achieve with it is to kind of like show off a range of what we could do and uh, as we're going forward we're kind of honing in on our songwriting process and you know getting deeper into certain we think are good and yeah yeah we're trying to pivot right now because the album we just we come up with ideas for songs so fast that we had this you can imagine we had this huge like list of songs that we've been playing for years so it was almost like hey let's choose some focus on those get those out and now we're trying to pivot to this like writing as a group producing new music constantly rather than choosing a bunch of stuff from a backlog so that's where we're at right now yeah we're kind of this single release strategy instead of going right into a Right. Um, so we'll have a, a new single coming out in April. And then after that, ideally, you know, once every couple months, release a new single 
find, connect with cool artists on Instagram to come up with different styles of art for each single. And then, uh, you know, release that constantly because we're in that in this world that people want, you know, new music, new things, low attention span, variety. <laughs> and that's what makes it fun. Yeah, it's evolving. It's evolving. That's for sure. The music industry is not like it used to be where, you know, you did a, a single and then you did an album. Now it's pretty much you're doing uh, singles pretty much all the time. And they're they're going like crazy. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get on board, yeah. <laughs> now, go ahead. Sorry. Basically, the plan is to release a single every month and then maybe later this year record a follow-up album, like a full 12-song album. Mm-hmm. Nice, thanks. That's, that's, that sounds pretty good. Um, now, what influences do you guys have as far as uh, music? A lot. It's I all mean, over the board. It probably spans the decades from like early 60s all the way to like probably mid-2000s, at least for me personally. Like rock music all the way from classic rock to like back to the 60s to with like, and even some, even like older like Delta Blues and stuff. But like mainly it's rock and roll from like the 90s and early 2000s. So like Red Hot Chili Peppers you know, and then there's Zeppelin and then who and yeah. all these big bands, but there's also, um, bands like Foo Fighters and the Strokes and stuff like that, that, that we love too. Now, and you guys are out of Atlanta, Georgia, correct? Yeah, we are. And how's the scene out there? Are, are you guys, uh, picking up a lot of shows or? Yeah. I mean, the scene in Atlanta is insane. It's kind of, it's pretty diverse. There's like a <clears throat> really big metal scene out here, really big punk scene, <clears throat> which we kind of, I guess, started in, weirdly enough, even though we aren't punk or metal at all. <laughs> um, but that's kind of the scene that I was introduced to before we started this second round of our band. So they were super welcoming and cool and like everyone's really helping each other out and it's really like inclusive and nice and not what you think like as an outsider where it's like people pinning each other against each other and like competition it's more just like everyone helps everybody it's really cool yeah and i think in that gap period chris started playing with a lot of other (laughs) local bands like doing session work and playing live and whatever he kind of got this tie into this community that before i didn't really know existed Mm -hmm. chris uh basically just hooked us up with them connections yeah (laughs) Now, like, it's like a cool group of bands. Like, we all know each other, and we all come out to each other's shows, and we support each other. So it's like, it's it's really, really nice. It really is. Yeah, Atlanta's a, a really good music scene for consumers, too. There's tons, like Chris said, there's tons of variety. And it's really good music fans here. I mean, it's like, kind of, yeah, the fans are super loyal out here. It's really, like, nice. you can... You can constantly have, like, a decent crowd as a local artist, like, in Atlanta, which is, like, the telltale sign of having a good scene. Like, if you can have constant shows where you're at least packing half of the house, as like, with locals every show, that's pretty cool. That is pretty good. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, you see the same people over and over again. They're really dedicated. Yeah. Yeah, it's dedicated fans, that's for sure. And yeah, there is a, a I did notice, like, um, you know, growing up in the grunge area or era, um, you did notice that a lot of the musicians were kind of battling each other back then. Now all that has changed. Now it's actually trying to help each other out, you know, trying to promote each other. 
you know, and ultimately make money out of it. So it's nice to see that. Now, you guys were featured on a magazine about a week ago, correct? Yeah, Voyage. How was that? Oh, you want to get into it? Yeah, it was, it, it was it's pretty cool. I mean, Voyage Atlanta is, a, is, an, is an awesome outlet. And it's in the the magazine kind of features um, like stories, local stories of creatives from all different genres and art and small businesses, and and it's um, it's a really neat publication. So it was cool to just kind of be able to tell our story, kind of go into detail. There's there's some good history in there, um, you know, about how we formed and and everything. Um, yeah, it's 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 cool to just get your get our, you know, be able to tell our story and get our name out and, and kind of weird that people read it if they do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're definitely honored, honored to have been featured, but, uh, I, it was kind of like our first experience doing that format. And so basically we just answered a bunch of questions and, and we, we second guessed it a couple, a little bit because, you know, we didn't know how much detail to go into. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, third person. Yeah, I, I hear you. Now, <laughs> where do we start? Right. You're talking about yourself. The yeah, third person yeah. the whole time. Yeah, grew <laughs> up in Atlanta. It's just like, yeah. Now, you guys were also featured on a, a different podcast, uh, Georgia Songbirds podcast. Now, yeah. you guys were outdoors for that, right? Yeah, 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 in the yeah. freezing cold. cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, January, we had to drive to, like, bum <laughs> <laughs> And, like... But, hey, it was it was, it was really a blast. Nice. He was... Yeah, it, it was, was a blast. Awesome. He was such a cool guy and really neat setup. He had this gazebo outdoors. And so we got to play kind of stripped-down um, set of some of our songs and on a kind of half-acoustic, half-with half, uh, drums, too. We hadn't really done that with Floor, at least, one of the songs. Uh, we got to debut uh, Ease, uh, a you know real stripped down uh, kind of three part harmony singer song like sounding song and yeah. Uh, but yeah it was so cool I mean during <laughs> during the during uh, the parts where I was playing guitar on floor like I couldn't feel if I was hitting the right notes because my ring finger was <laughs> yeah it's just, I think I'm sharp the whole time yeah we were jumping up and down answering questions it was <clears throat> it was fun yeah. That's a, yeah, give, good yeah, shout Jesse out. Jesse Landers, he's the man. Yeah. Good shout Very out to cool Georgia guy. Songbirds. He's productive too. It's every every Friday. Yeah. yeah. He cranks them out. Now, you guys yeah. also have someone in your band that has a podcast, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, I believe it's called uh, Cold Covers. Uh huh. Oh, that's, man. that's Chris. You did your research. You did your this homework, is man. awesome. I know, for real. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Started it up. So, like, you're on episode, you've done two episodes, Yeah, we did right? two, and, like, this virus thing has kind of put a halt on it. We had a couple people scheduled, and everyone's been canceling just due to everything that's going on. Because it requires you to be there, because there's a live performance aspect at the end of every episode. So, um, but, yeah, I guess I've always wanted to do a podcast, like, for musicians, I guess, and go really in-depth on why people make certain choices on songs musically and instrumentally. Just as like kind of selfishly, because I like to know that stuff and I like talking about it. <clears throat> so um, I, if people like it, that's cool. But it's kind of just for me as a musician, I've always wanted to know certain things. So, um, and it's also just like a good way to connect with like other musicians that I like in the area and like get their story out there because I think they deserve it. Yeah, and I love I love from just a just a 
fan standpoint to be able to dig into those details. <laughs> yeah. Tell them about like the end, um, you know, the end performance aspect and kind of what. Oh, the flip it, flip it, forging. It's <laughs> like a segment at the end. Yes. <clears throat> um, AC helped name that actually. It was flip it, fix it, or fuck it at first. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so I wanted people to like whenever podcasts are like live audio sessions have like a performance of the band. It's always them playing a song that you've already heard before, but in like a worse audio format because yes. the podcast can't handle like a full live studio, you know? So I wanted to get away from that because there's no point to just hear that same song in a bad audio format. So I was like, I need unique performances from these bands that you can only hear here. So Flip It is like play one of your songs like that you have released, but in a different genre. And Forge It is like... <clears throat> play us a song that you're in the process of writing or haven't released yet and walk us through like how you wrote it. And then fuck it is like a free jam that you've never played before. So no matter <laughs> what, even if you don't want to hear the band talk, you're going to hear your band that you like play something you've never heard before. Yeah. Push them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And like, yeah, see what they yeah exactly. I don't want to give bands like easy layups, like actually make them think, you know, <laughs> Well, now that you say we and do that. <laughs> oh, um, <wow. laughs> kind of set yourself up on that one. <laughs> now, uh, as far as uh, learning your instruments, like um, when, when did you guys first um, realize that music was your, your I guess what I'm trying to say here, uh, what was your first musical in, uh, inspiration that really called you to play that instrument? You want to go down the line? I guess yeah, I'll sure. start. Um, so uh, starting out uh, in middle school, I was like in chorus. And I've always been into music and like singing and like dancing around as a kid. Um, started playing saxophone in the school band around like uh, sixth or seventh grade. Um, and then got into it, loved it. My parents got me an electric guitar when I was 11 years old. Um, and I kind of just gravitated towards that and started learning by ear. And um, pretty much since that moment of like, I think Seven Nation Army was actually the first one I learned. And ever since then, it like hooked me. And then I got into, well, I just want to learn these cool riffs and I want to make stuff. Um, and so I took what little skills I had learned from chorus and band and uh, kind of taught myself. And then didn't really do much with it until I ran into Eric in college. Yeah. Uh, I had never played an instrument until like senior year of high school. And uh, yeah, I always enjoyed writing and reading and i read a lot of poetry and stuff and chris was always in bands throughout high school we were we were boys from the start and uh senior year uh we had this like it was called chanel day where all the student bands would get up and like have a concert in front of the whole school and uh around that time stadium arcadium was released and like it was just awesome and just like inspired me so much inspired chris and just really everybody and uh, i just wanted to know what it felt like to like play live so we started like a, a band for Chanel Day and I kind of learned how to play bass and a couple months and got up there. <laughs> we made you play yeah, bass. Yeah, they made me play bass so I was like, the worst guitarist. <laughs> and, but when I got up, yeah, when we played, I just like loved it. It's such an adrenaline rush. It's like the best feeling on earth. And um, ever since then, yeah, I was just kind of hooked and yeah, been doing it since then. Yeah, same, similar story for me. Um, in so at, in our high school, same as Chanel Day. So 
our high school started in seventh grade and went through 12th. I, I came in seventh grade and Chanel Day was for the whole school. And uh, so I've been playing guitar since, yeah, about 10, nine or 10 or so and got up with another friend and we played just the intro to Little Wing really fast, really poorly with a, t- with a tiny little solo for like 45 seconds as 12 year like 13 year old seventh graders. Played it really bad, and then and then hopped off stage. Me and Simon Cross, you know, shout out to Simon, he's out in LA, and uh, and then played, and then uh, Chris and I played in different bands uh, all through high school. We were friends, and we played uh, at Chanel Day every year together. And we were kind of rivals in our separate bands. <laughs> yeah, we had you know drag out fist fights on stage. It was pretty epic. Yeah, it was epic. <laughs> no, no, no. Brawls, yeah, brawls, yeah. <laughs> Destroy, yeah, stage, <laughs> stage diving people in in their lawn chairs sitting out there. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Time. It wasn't like that. But, uh, yeah, and then just playing. Yeah, I've just been playing guitar since. And then in our break, actually, uh, picked up mandolin, started messing around with that, incorporated mandolin into our into the one song on our first album, Georgia. Um, and then in Ease, we'll we'll incorporate it. And then we're gonna you know, hopefully have some different streams of music where we strip down and play some of our acoustic stuff. Because during the break, um, you know, Cole and I were really able to become friends because um, we didn't know each other. Uh, and they were all boys in, in college. And so we started playing acoustic. He got a 12-string, I got a, a mandolin. We got uh, Pete a acoustic bass, and we started kind of messing around with that. So we're gonna we're adding more of that into um, into our music and and uh so yeah. yeah we like a couple of months ago we won a battle of the bands one of the prizes is like a three song ep for free so i think in a month we're gonna go in and do a bunch of acoustic stuff and, uh, yeah i was gonna bring that up um so where was this held at battle of the bands uh it's a bar called sweetwater bar out in duluth um it's kind of like a local spot yeah uh yeah they're really yeah. good about supporting local acts out there in sweetwater the booker mike is was so good at that. Uh, I don't know if he's still there or not, but um, he was <clears throat> amazing at reaching out to local artists and getting them stage time, even if it wasn't in front of a whole lot of people. Just like getting your chops in front of live yeah. audiences, they were really, really good about that. Yeah. Honestly, that's how a lot of the bands got to know each other. That's <clears throat> yeah, how that, yeah. that community started in Atlanta. And the local band, like rent is way cheaper out there, so a lot of the bands have to live out there. So like, don't they play in Atlanta. like storage units and stuff? Yeah, the storage unit. <laughs> oh, wow. Storage units to like practice their sets in. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Well, a dollar a month. That's not, that's not bad. Gee, <laughs> oh, there's actually a huge metal band. Or like they just became huge from Atlanta called Left to Suffer. <clears throat> that was playing in the storage unit out there that I was practicing with another band, and they just blew up. They just hit. 500,000 followers on Spotify in like less than a year. Wow. uh, It's insane. Like they're, they're blowing up and they were a year ago. I was seeing them in a storage unit, (laughs) like playing like really like off metal. Like it was, it's pretty cool. Extra trebly in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now they're probably going to have like storage war uh, battles. (laughs) <laughs> that's a great show. really thinking the amp has a lot of value. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it brings a whole new element to that show. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, as far as uh, musical inspirations, when can you remember your first musical inspiration, or and who was it? 
Oh, I know this one for sure. Okay, so like I started playing a kit. I bought a kit when middle school and um, <clears throat> I heard Linkin Park, Hybrid Theory, that album, and Faint came on. Uh, so that song was just like had a cool drum break at the beginning of the very 90s. Uh, inspired, and I was like, there's no way I could ever play that. But I was so, like, <clears throat> enamored by it. It just seemed way too hard for me as, like, a beginner. And then I got the Red Hot Chili Peppers' Greatest Hits, and I heard Californication. And uh, Chad Smith's drums on that were so, like, perfect for such a simple song. And it was so busy without being complicated. And that immediately I was like, oh, I can do this not knowing how complicated Smith's drums were on it at the time. But I was like, if you can make a simple song sound that good on drums, I feel like I can honestly do this. And that just, boom, like forever. Chad Smith was my boy, and I wanted to play drums for the rest of my life. Like, that was it. My, mine was, uh, the first thing that came, my, my, my parents were pretty young, and they were, they were, they listened to 311 a lot. And I remember driving drive around to 311, <laughs> album uh, grained in my mind too and just awesome mix of guitar tones you know like all mixed up is off that album and so you got the funk guitar tones and then the heavy metal uh back to back and these cool beats and um yeah i remember that being a pretty formative album but of course chili peppers kind of unites all of us and for me other side was the first song i learned on guitar by ear um you know just down, 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 you know, two, two different strings. <laughs> and, uh, and when I got that down, it felt pretty good. Um, and so, yeah, a little mix of 311 <laughs> chili peppers. I think for me, the most inspirational moment was me and Chris were just hanging out one weekend and, uh, VH1 had this like documentary live show thing about the who, where they went into the background and like, you know, kind of how they laid the foundation for punk. And like, we were, me and Chris were so inspired by that. We took this crappy kit and this crappy guitar and we just played for like two hours. At the end, like, I, I didn't know how to play guitar at all. And I was just like beating the hell out of this guitar. And at the end, like, I was like, my hands were bleeding. Chris was like breaking sticks, like sweating. And uh, I don't know, just that visceral like feel just got me hurt. That was the most inspiring thing. I think in all shows, like I, I, I want, and I know we do, that element of just raw energy feel. Like that kind of dangerous aspect to music is important to me. And like with the, the songs we release and our live shows, I feel like it has to have that element always. No, it almost seems like you guys really, oh, getting hot here. Uh, now you guys—it really seems like you guys are really thriving off the live shows. You really feed off the feedback of the crowd. Yeah, you know, we always try to be really interactive and uh, really just have the most fun we can on stage. It's hard not to. I mean, yeah, we all we all love and support each other, and it's just—it's awesome being on stage and seeing somebody else rip a solo, and you can see all of us turn—you know—turn over to Cole during a solo, and just like yeah. You know, you're there, you're, you know that they got your back, you know, and, you know, 
Pete's fallen over a few times on stage. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Get into it, it might be a thing now, actually. So come to our shows and look yeah. for that. We don't have a huge following now, but the fans we do have are, like, diehard and awesome. And so they're always interacting with us, and it just gives us energy live and, like, gives us confidence. And Yeah. They know uh, all the lyrics. They yeah. All the it makes it really, really enjoyable, and we can really just completely let loose up there. And, and it, that's what we do it for. Yeah. That was that was an awesome moment when there's like one live moment in Better Keep Quiet where it's like end of second verse and you can hear you know people sing the lyrics back and then it, and it messed Pete up while he's singing. <laughs> I catch a glance from him and he's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. It was it was pretty awesome. Now that you uh, brought in uh, those embarrassing moments, can you recall uh, another embarrassing moment up on stage that uh, you'd rather not speak about? No, <laughs> the funniest one, uh, we have a song called Floor, and it kind of has this, like, lower, like, it's a lower energy midsection part, and I, like, kind of got up on this raised platform with Chris, and I got tangled up in my cable, and as I stepped off during this, like, slower part, I just went, <laughs> bam! I just ate it so hard. It was actually the, the battle of the band's, like, final whatever show yeah. we, at, at that moment we were all like we fucked yeah we thought we were lost <laughs> and uh so actually it kind of helped us out because once you mess up live it's just like you know no hold far you just go for it yeah you know? this fall yeah. was like it was it was a comical fall it was like cartoonish it was I hit it so <laughs> yeah hard. it was just complete legs out and just landed yeah. and then Damn. i think and then i think in the same show like our our last song in control that we end on it's really high energy um Eric actually ended up knocking the mic, his microphone off stage, and had to like jump to mine. And I think he fell again. So, <laughs> and we were like, we were like, wow, we just ruined, <laughs> just lost. But it definitely gave us the opportunity to get our chops up and 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 make mistakes live. And that's one thing we've realized, like across the board, doesn't matter if it's for a podcast, it's just a live show or whatever. There's going to be adversity, like something's going to go wrong, and it's like all about just like pretending like nothing's wrong, fixing the issue, and, like, going about the song. Um, so and just, like, to, laughing at it. Yeah. 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 We've just, adapted from that. Yeah, exactly. And we, we, we really have. Even from the beginning, any of those moments, it's just been, it's hilarious to all of us on stage, and it's raw, and it's in the moment. It's fun. It's what it should be. That's what I want. Those are the kind of yeah. shows I want to go see, mm-hmm. too. Strings break, uh, notes are missed. There, there's this one note that I missed, and I wish I had it. I think I have the video, but it's hilarious. You know the sound on Guitar Hero when you miss a note and it goes, Gah! Yes. Okay, so there's this lick in one of our songs where there's like a motif. It's like, and it's just like nice melody. And I go, <laughs> and it's so loud and it's so aggressively bad and I could not recreate it if I wanted to. Yeah, it was, that was perfect. Aggressively bad. <laughs> yeah. we, we play that video back. It's perfect. It's like how you can't try to make that sound. Dude, I sweated. I swear, I sweated through a guitar in the first. Literally. In the first, in the first show that we did. My, I mean, I checked all my cables. I checked that. I, I could not figure it out. And I'm pouring sweat all over the pickups. And it just didn't work. And I was like, oh, man. It shorted the guitar. <laughs> yeah. So this is one of our first shows. And this is when we're still learning with the onstage, like, problems that can happen. Yes. And and I'm in my own zone because this is our first big show. And 
I'm singing and playing and I normally go, all right, AC, take, take it away. Like as he goes into the solo. So I'm like, AC, take it away. And I look over and AC is like looking at me and he's shaking his guitar. And I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> I gave it like the, like the second half of the solo. It was like, all right. Yeah. The guitar is a little bit out of tune. So just kind of bending it into tune. Yeah. It was, it was a good moment though. Yeah. It taught us so, a lot. Yeah. From there I started wearing uh a little thicker shirt, so, you know, to capture some of the sweat before it gets on the guitar. Yeah. So, well, now I, I, I did see on Instagram, you guys uh, have your own, uh, I guess, trading cards. And on those trading cards, each one has a nickname, correct? Yeah. So um, I'm guessing yours was excessive sweat now that you yeah. were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Yo, man, you did a great job. Yeah, those are our, the Pokemon cards that we made. <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago. Those are those are fun. Yeah, and then and uh, what Chris's was self-deprecation. <laughs> he like gives himself shit to gain power. Yeah, <laughs> which is so those. true. Yeah, we gotta repost that. Mine was barefoot, bare feet. Stage point illness. <laughs> yeah, he always he always rocks bare feet on stage, and so yeah, the man's gotta have all kinds of fun guys. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, harmonizer. Yeah, that's a, yeah. We're safe from coronavirus, thanks to this. Guy. <laughs> well, that's yeah. good to know that you guys are having fun, you know, and that's what it's all about, you know, having fun with your friends. Something seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's the most fun thing in the world. It's like you can't take that away. I mean, we are we have a hard work ethic. We get we're getting after it. We got we're you know separating the responsibilities, trying our best, you know, with everything going on that we have. And uh, but ultimately, it's the most fun that we can ever have. So we got to enjoy it while we can. Yeah, we've been trying to take the business aspect of it more seriously than we have in the past. But it's weird because it's this weird balance of we don't take ourselves. We try not to take ourselves too seriously, but we take our songwriting kind of seriously because it's like we our form of expression. And practice really seriously, yeah. and then obviously we try to take the the business aspect of it seriously, um, which it is. It's a tough market and ongoing. Yeah, battle. It is a tough market, and especially it's tougher right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is tougher net right now, especially with uh, the whole COVID nineteen going on, and I'm sure that's pretty much put a halt on all your your tour, your performance, your gigs, and all that. So, yeah, we had a we had a show scheduled at the Masquerade, which is a pretty big local venue in Atlanta, for the 28th, and uh, it got canceled. But luckily, you know, in its place, we were able to schedule a recording session with uh, our boy CJ Writings, and uh, we're also getting help production-wise from the lead singer of Microwave, Nathan, Nathan who is a – they're really big in the Atlanta they're scene as awesome. well. They're really great. Yeah, so this um, is huge. So we're really looking forward to that. It's like a two-day session next week. Um, yeah. So silver lining to our show getting canceled. Mm-hmm. That point. Well, at least uh, you got Battle of the Bands under you, so you get you guys are able to go into the studio and work on three uh, three songs. You said you'll be able to work on. Mm-hmm. That that'd yes. be great. That's awesome. Yeah, four songs in the month of April. Yeah, yeah, and then well, and then we're looking at five right now so far total singles. Yeah, so probably over the next three months, three to four months, we'll probably have five songs released. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, our big one that we've been prepping for is the Haunted Demand release on April 1st. Uh, so we just recently got the artwork together. We have a really great graphic designer, Sarah Wilson. Shout out, Sarah. Yeah, she designed and, the logo. Uh, she's she's really awesome. a really great graphic designer. And, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's coming together pretty well. And then for Haunted Demand, we, uh, you know, Pete connected with this artist, uh, Lucia Chatino in, uh, in Italy. It's crazy how, you know, this is a fun aspect of, of the singles is being able to get, dig into the artwork. But yeah, Pete connected with this artist and she's out of Naples, Italy and found one of her pieces and talked to her. And so we were able to license that for the single. Um, and it's crazy how things work out. We have these weird coincidences with our songs and, and just the meaning of, of that artwork correlated really strangely with the meaning of the song. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's really neat. So we hope to do that for each of them. But yeah, the, the meaning, if you want to delve into it a little bit, yeah, we'll dive into it on a demand. Um, Basically, every person has, well, you almost have two images of yourself. You have the image that you see yourself and the things that you want and the direction you want your life to go in. And you also have what everybody else expects of you. And those are always going to be different. And I think from an individual perspective, that dissonance that exists in everybody, can, it really causes people to become things that they're not. So people will like, marry people that they don't really like enjoy just because somebody else thinks that they're right for them or they'll hang around certain friend groups uh, because that, they think that's cool or expected. But in reality, if people go down that road of what's expected of them, you get that dissonance grows stronger within you and you become more unhappy and depressed as you go throughout life. And, um, that's going to always be in the backdrop, those two forms of yourself. And uh, so that haunted demand is that calling that like, hey, you should, you really just need to be true to yourself and kind of not just agree to what anybody else thinks what should happen with your life. Uh, so that's really the meaning behind it. And so when I was talking to Lucia and I picked out that, that piece of art that she made, I just thought it was cool. And like, I thought it fit with the song and it, it was yellow, which is our secondary color, and it popped. And um, then AC asked Lucia what the, the art meant. What did she say? And it's autobiographical, and, and it was at a, at a tough time in her life where she basically, I don't, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but she, she was, was like going, questioning, questioning, yeah, what's expected versus who, how she, she, who she is and how she feels. And uh, and so then we kind of explained, sent her the lyrics, and, and <laughs> we kind of had this. Yeah, it was, this it was moment. It was, it was, it was like, yeah, we meant the same thing from these things that we didn't realize matched up yeah. so well. So it really made it that much better. We have these weird coincidences in a lot of our songs. Like the one we're going to be recording uh, this weekend, it has a or next weekend has a the chorus is slow down. And like last night, we're playing it too fast. And we're like, are, are we playing it too fast? And we're literally just singing in three-part harmony, slow down. Yeah. Like, all right, well, listen to the song. You know, we have, we have a bunch of those where, hey, all right, should we finish this song right now? And we look at the lyrics, and the lyrics are like, hey, take some time. You know, let it breathe. And you're like, all right, song. Thank you, song. Thank you, song. Yeah. I think there we subconsciously you know. communicate with ourselves through our songwriting a little yeah. bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm sure that you guys put in, uh, you know, a little part of everybody's makes up the whole song, you know. The whole purpose is the song. You know, you're feeding into the song, so everybody that, puts in their little part. You don't think about it when you're making it, like what you're feeling or what the message should be. You're just feeling it in the moment, and the songs almost have meaning after you finish them. You're like, oh, that's what I was feeling. 
that's what it meant. And which I think is all is very special and unique about music. Um, yeah, we had a not to get into the, to the details. We had a moment where we we wrote we each kind of wrote a piece of a song or an ideas of songs called skeletons, and we we talked about that um, on the last podcast where we kind of bring a, a skeleton and unfinished song. We all like you said, all court put the flesh onto the song, and all has our imprint. But we kind of each made skeletons, and they weirdly correlated with something that was happening in the other person's life at that time. And it was, wow. you know, the song that I was doing kind of correlated with Pete and Pete's with me and Cole's with Pete. And, and it kind of, it all fit. And it connects. Yeah. We're all very connected. And like the music and the songs come from our personal relationships and our events that happen in our life. It's not just making a song. It's like just expressing what's going on in your life. That's, and understanding that like, you know, Cole or AC or Chris is feeling a certain way and kind of tapping into that somehow through the back door of our, the underlying relationship we have with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think we always try to put that at the forefront. Um, it's about relationships. It's not about, you know, just the song we play, whether it's catchy or how it sounds. Yeah. yeah. Now, as far as gear, um, so you guys have two guitarists. One bass yeah. and one drummer. Yeah. Let's talk about gear. You want to start with drums? Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I like Sabian cymbals, so I have a bunch of Sabian cymbals. Uh, I just kind of, I just got a new cymbal, a new crash that has this like uh, scratched inner part. I don't know how to describe it. I've never seen it before. It like, uh, it has like a what do you call it? Um, it's like it's raised like edge, pattern, raised pattern edge. Yeah, it's, it's like like a beveling. It's like or? a metal scratching on the inside of it that like kind of I don't know brightens the sound a little bit or makes it. Yeah, I don't know, but it, it was really cool. Is uh, it so thinner it, in that area? Yes, yeah, it's, it's really really thin symbol, so it should be super like way too bright. But this kind of like gets it a little colder feel while still keeping it bright, which I really liked when I got it. Um, and I'd never seen it before. And I definitely got the warranty on that because it's too thin. I have to put it on too much. And I'm not going to crack it. <laughs> so uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get another one within a year because I'm going to break the hell out of that thing. Yeah, but, um, it's going to warp. Hi-hat, my hi-hat, I got the New Beats um, uh, 14-inch hi-hat because uh, I, w- I was researching hi-hats and I wanted to... My favorite hi-hat sound was Rage Against the Machine. Um, I just love his hi-hats They're, like when he opens it up it is so big and so powerful so that's why I got that because that's what he used um, and my kit is an old Pearl Custom but it was really nice and then my house that I was living in in Kennesaw burned down and uh, the only thing that got saved from the house was the drum kit but at that point it had a bunch of smoke damage on it because I, yeah, obviously the fire. And, uh, so shout out to those firefighters that the first thing they got out of the house was the, the drum kit. <laughs> but, um, they didn't look for pets. They were just there for the kit. That's awesome. There were, there, were, there were no pets. No one was hurt in the, in the making of this kit. <laughs> but, uh, so it warped my drum kit actually. Like the, the heat. The, yeah. The heat, the smoke damage. So, it has like a weird sound now that I guess you can't replicate because it is unique. 
Yeah. But uh, it still sounds really cool. Like, I, I thought it was ruined when I saw them. I was like, this is, they're destroyed. They're warped. They're like, you can see ripples in them, but they sound really cool. And is so I can. And I guess that's the story of my kit. That's pretty much all I got. <laughs> What's your snare? My snare is like a weird birch maple hybrid snare. I don't remember. It's, it's a Mapex, yeah. Okay. That's probably my the best part of my kit. Um, <laughs> I need to replace a part on it because I just broke uh, the under snare thing, the wires. Uh, so I need to replace that. But other than that, that snare is amazing. And it's really dynamic. You can tune it any way you want. Um, you can get any kind of snare sound you want out of it, which is why I got it. Because we have such a wide range of music that I'm going to need different snare tones for different songs. So, yeah. Now, as far as, as changing the heads on your uh, kit, is that an issue? The wire, the the head wire, or the, what is that? The headboard? Uh, Did that get all warped out too, or is it just the body parts? Oh yeah, no, the, <laughs> those were completely gone. I had to replace all those for sure. They were like almost broken just from the heat. Like they had stretched themselves so much from the heat that uh they were completely completely gone yeah all the symbols in that house fire were destroyed the only thing that i kept was the wood like the the, the toms themselves in the bass drum um because everything else was completely destroyed all right yeah. wow well that's good it's a unique sound so that's good that's awesome you know here's the way i guess yes yeah, <laughs> yeah, Phoenix drums. Yeah. yeah, and then I play a, a Telecaster and through a Vox AC15, and um, and then I use a uh, a little boost pedal. Um, so I so I have the uh, the tone on my amp. I, I turn down the normal uh, volume down a little bit. I turn the volume up pretty high, and then I use a boost that has a, um, a TC Spark Pro. So it has a little bit of a EQ on it. And then I kind of boost the treble because I, I cut I kind of cut through and have the trebly jangly sound and then and Cole's got the meat and um he's Cole Cole's got the the uh the the body of the cupcake and I got the frosting. <laughs> and then um but it's then I I have that boost pedal on all the time. So that's kind of my clean, dirty tone. And um and then my distortion is the Greer Overdrive. It's a light speed. And, man, I went into uh, Atlanta Discount Music, which is an awesome store. And there was this – I wish I remembered his name, but, I mean, he may have been 15 years old, and he was working there. He may have been even an intern, and I was looking for an overdrive pedal, trying out a bunch of them. And he goes, hey, so you have this TC Spark. Have you tried this uh, Greer light speed that's from Athens, Georgia? He's like, no. He's like, when it's coupled with that Spark, it sounds really good. And I was like, okay. So coupling that, adding a little bit more headroom with the boost and then going into that overdrive just sounds, with the telly, just it's, it sounds awesome. You can hit a full distortion chord, and but like a minor chord, but here all of the notes ring out individually. It doesn't mud. And then, uh, and then I use a chorus pedal a lot. Um, and then kind of getting into delays, but you know the bread and butter is the chorus pedal. And that chorus pedal's got a tremolo. It's um, a Boss CE2. It's like the... Um, the Japanese version, and then it has uh, two different chorus settings, one retro, one modern, and then a tremolo setting. And so with that, I got a bunch of different outlets. Nice. And I just got a just got a pedal board finally, so I'm not... Pedal board? Yeah, I got a pedal board. I got a, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Swedish last name. <laughs> and, uh, so 
I got a pedal board finally, so I'm not slamming on the ground and having it run away from me. Yeah, but that's coupled with uh, Cole's Les Paul. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to go? No, yeah, guys. go ahead. So I, I started actually playing on squat on a Squire Stratocaster for a long time. Then I switched to acoustic, played for a while, a Dean acoustic, and an Ovation acoustic. Um, recently bought a Martin 12-string, which I love. But uh, eventually I switched over to Epiphone Les Paul. Loved that thing. Um, played a couple other Epiphone guitars. Um, before when we started the other band, like first got together out of college, um, I had my first job and first paycheck. So I went out and got a Gibson Les Paul, um, a wine red traditional pro four that I'm in love with. Um, love that thing. It's going to be my primary guitar for the rest of my life for sure. Um, but other guitars that I enjoy, I recently also got a Dan Angelica, um, boardwalk, I think it's called, but it's turquoise and it has a turtle, turtle shell pickup. Um, it's a semi hollow body with P90s on it. Um, really love that thing. And so I'm trying to incorporate that guitar more to get different like tonal qualities. Um, because AC said like, we're kind of in different frequency ranges and we try to make our, our tones mesh very well. Um, so you can hear both, but together they give you like a combined texture that you wouldn't get, um, from either individual guitar. Um, so yeah, that's it. And like you said, we got, uh, pedal boards now and I've messed around with like a, a wah pedal before in the past, but um, my new favorite pedal right now is the uh, Electro Harmonics Badstone Phaser. Um, loving that thing. Yeah, and then and then uh, we got Cole for his birthday recently. Um, God, what? what uh, the, Big Muff Pie. Yeah, Big Muff nice. Pie. Yeah, the yeah, um, yeah the uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, edition. the OP one. But yeah. So mixing the the Phaser with the with the fuzz pedal with like a delay gives gives you like a really trippy tone and. Um, I love that because that's kind of, kind of a direct direction. I kind of want to take my guitar playing in. So he loves Tame Impala. Um, yeah. The old, the old Tame Impala, like inner speaker, inner speaker Tame Impala. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. 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 What was your amp? Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> my, amp, my amp. So I play, like I said, a Gibson Les Paul, but my amp is a Fender, uh, Hot Rod Deluxe to, uh, Hot Rod Deluxe 4 uh tube amp and i got like the special edition tweed one that guitar center had like a limited run on so it made you pay extra for the tweed yeah, yeah i paid like 50 bucks more but man it looks it looks four <laughs> versus the hot rod deluxe four guitar center special edition one the, the gold one it looks so much better yeah. um it's pretty cool the, it, the grill on the front even has some like gold flakes in it so it kind of pops yeah and then and then my ac15 is the great racing green uh the british racing green edition <laughs> And it, it just, it looks awesome. And I, I negotiated, it was the floor model. So I negotiated, I was like, I don't know who's playing, who's been playing this amp. It could be busted. <laughs> Take down the price a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, the last thing on guitar. So we were practicing mine or, uh, mine was, you know, get in the shop or something at one point. And so I was playing the Strat and you were playing the Les Paul and, and Pete was like, it, it just doesn't sound the same. It's like when you put the it telly really in the, in the, the left. telly and the gifts, man, this was great. It yeah. just, yeah, it's just meaty. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, those are the cupcake guitars. and the frosting, baby. There you go. Tell them, the <laughs> yeah. tell them, tell uh, them the story with your old face, please. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> so, <laughs> when PV came out with the Cirrus model, I got one of the first ones, and it was when I first started learning playing bass. I had active pickups, and the wiring in them was just so bad. And like we would, it, the the batteries would die, the input would be all messed up, and it was like that for years. I probably got that sucker worked on like 
30 plus times wow. to firing. And uh, eventually, like it would go out during shows. We it was an it ongoing was so problem bad. where we, Chris and me would bitch at him, be like, dude, do whatever you got to do. Go buy another bass guitar, man, because it, it would be like 10 minutes up to the show. Oh, my pickups are dead. You have a 9 volt battery. It's like, no, I don't care. He's in my pocket. Like, <laughs> deal we're like get your bass fixed yeah so, um so then i uh just got the uh, epiphone thunderbird which has a really awesome history uh john and whistle played one uh chris novoselic played one who were my two like i love them them and those two and flea are my, my favorite basses ever and uh that has a really meaty tone and it's just born for rock and roll it's great Thick looks good on you. And look good on you. And uh, I play this beat up <laughs> Fender Rumble amp that I've had forever. Uh, but it gets the job done. I'm looking to get a new amp. <laughs> so you set up your own bass. That's what I said. <laughs> we'll get him a it's cabinet a, someday, a theme, Sam. <laughs> I think I can one of those Mark bass uh, cabs and maybe a head. <laughs> It's fine. It, it, it smokes when you play for too long. No, it literally. <laughs> oh, jeez. You smell something burning when you're playing, and you're like, oh, no, we got to take a break. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of our gear. But we have, I mean, I think combined, we probably have a, a shit ton of guitars and oh, stuff yeah. laying around. Yeah, my, my old guitar I played for a while is, is named Frankenstein because it's a strings and things guitar when this guy... In Memphis, it's um, like a rat rod. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this guy. The history is in the '80s. Um, he had started outsourcing. Fender started outsourcing to um, Korea and Mexico, and so he bought up a bunch of um, American Fender parts and then strapped, slapped them together. And it's a single cut, so it looks like a Les Paul, but it's got a Tele neck, which is why I fell in love with the Tele. Wanted to get that because I love that Tele neck. But then it has. But the pickups were weird, and they're off color, and then did work on it, and it was—it just looks funky, and it's just Frankenstein. But hey, it yeah. saved you when you shorted out your telly. That's right. <laughs> hey, Frankenstein's always there. He'll, he will Older come back to life. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, there's three songs that really caught my attention uh, when I was uh, researching you guys, and one of them was uh, Spine, Red Moon, Sway, and Georgia. Georgia really caught my attention because of the mandolin. Mm. Um, Red Moon uh, Sway really caught my attention because it starts out the first 8 or 15 seconds uh, I think it's on left side then all of a sudden the other guitar kicks in which I'm assuming it's probably the uh, Les Paul or the Tally I'm not sure but then it kicks on to the right side and then it splits and then bass and drums are in the middle I mean who yeah. came up with that? So we like to play around with painting and stuff and like uh, the guitar goes back to what we were saying about uh having the tones mixed together, but be distinct. And um, the story with that song, I guess, is um, we wrote that a, a while ago, like a little bit around well, the time the of the first, first band. And we, it kind of had its own sound on the EP, but then like, like AC spoke about when we played together on acoustic for a little bit during the hiatus, we kind of adapted it and like added that other guitar part. Mm. Um, and, that's that's where that came from, and then the idea to, for painting is just because we 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 don't like the sound of music, but kind of like when it sounds like it's all clumped together. So we want to have the the really broad like dynamic range, so you can hear like all the different distinctions uh, and how they come together to like form that that sound. So we definitely love stereo sounding stuff, um, 
and yeah, I mean, that, that's why we, we recorded it that way. Now on Spine, what was the influence behind Spine? Because I'm... Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm getting a feel of... of, of um... Go ahead. Uh, so the main inspiration was really like, it's that moment of like when you get out of something bad and it doesn't have to be like a relationship. It could be any, any bad experience. And it's like, just realizing like after the fact, like, Oh, this was like crummy. And like, I shouldn't have been in this place. And like, you like this thing or this relationship kind of did this damage to me, but like, um, you know, I'm still gonna like continue on. And this, this kind of changed me or like, changed my perspective a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the main, the main lick of like, uh, what is it? Will you find me rip out my spine is like, it's like, uh, it's like, it was almost like, you know, I, I believe in fate and like destiny and like relationships and, and things over the years have taught me a lot. And this one did, especially like of just about how sometimes like, um, you know, things don't always work out and things aren't always meant to, uh, people aren't always meant to be together. So with that, like, uh, this thing really did a number on me and it was kind of just like, it seemed like it taught me a lesson and it was almost like, um, I was glad that it happened because it kind of put me in the right direction, but fate always wins. Yeah. It was kind of just acknowledging that and, and like moving forward. It's true. You can have your ideas about what you want your life to be, but kind of get pushed in the direction you're about to go. Clip it. Yeah. <laughs> No one's ever asked about the meaning of that song, so that kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> now, as far as the music compose, uh, composing it, um, what um, you know, because I get a lot of different vibes from that song. Um, it relates to a lot of songs I've heard, or you know, I'm sure you guys heard. Was there something that connected it? Um, not really. I mean, like I was saying earlier, a lot of a lot of my influence, I realized that I draw when I'm writing is, is definitely nineties and early two thousands and grunge. So like, you know, I, I grew up listening to like Nirvana and the chili peppers and smashing pumpkins and Queens of the stone age and like all that, those veins. So, um, that sound, uh, probably heavily inspired like the grunginess of it. Um, but no, I mean for that one, there was really not, not much of, of a vision. It, it just kind of just turned out the way it turned out. I definitely tried to make it a little grungy and tried to make it a little trippy with the guitar effects and, and the vocals. Um, yeah, CJ, yeah. You know, CJ did a really good job. Of our, our, uh, we're going to be recording with here recently and, and adding the cool delays in that and really going, because that, that one may be the most experimentally experimental from a mixing standpoint on the album too. Yeah. It's got the most delays and, and uh, put that reverse. And thing reverse. And yeah. And then a reverse at the very end that, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we definitely want to explore that more in the studio. Yeah. That song was actually really hard for me to write on drums for the chorus. It took me weeks to find that part. Um, Cause it's very droney. Uh, in terms of like the, I guess the melody and all that stuff on that chorus. And I kind of wanted to busy it up without taking away from what they were doing. So I guess that's kind of why I put that like Nirvana, you know, like circa Nirvana beat on it that kind of feels out of place, but at the same time worked out pretty well. And I, I, at the time I was like, this seems too busy. 
But as I kept playing it and fine tuning it, it worked with the droniness of everything else, kind of balancing it, I guess, into making the busy and drony work together. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So that was really, really tough for me actually to write on drums. That song specifically like took me forever. So yeah, it song's hard to listen to and not air drum, air drum <laughs> too. Yeah, the chorus. That song's evolved a lot as we played it too. We've realized like. Um, probably more so than other songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hadn't been asked about that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did your homework, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I tried to. I tried yeah. to. And I do apologize. I, I know I haven't got back to you guys uh, that quick. Uh, I've been trying to set up my studio here because I'm. I'll be working from home more often. Um, so I've been having construction done and a couple of things moved around. So you know, this COVID nineteen is really uh, changing things around for you know, musicians, producers, and everybody else in the workforce. So um, now that, you know, we're talking about COVID-19 where I brought it up, um, besides now that it's being difficult for musicians to perform, to, you know, show their art, what other dark times would a new musician encounter? Um, I think, I mean, to be a musician, you got to go play live. So it really puts a damper on things. The grind of getting shows and getting... Getting going, getting momentum is like the hardest thing. Because like you can sit around in your basement and write songs and have fun with it forever. But when you actually have that craving to get out there and get stuff going and try to get fans and try to get momentum and getting shows and getting people to book you for that first time is very difficult and can be very depressing because you're going to get turned down a lot. Because people don't want to take a chance on new music. You're not proven ever. So that first like foot in the door is like a really tough thing to deal with, like from a new artist perspective, I think. That I get I, I think has really like ruined a lot of really talented musicians' careers that could have like gone on to do great things. Just that fear of rejection and like constant rejection that you get at the beginning is really tough and i would say that's probably like a super dark time that a lot of new musicians will face shout out to smith's old bar though because we yeah. that was sean. one of the, yeah sean. the big sean, sean shout out to really, sean. really helped us but uh smith's old bar is is a is kind of a a, a famous music scene here in a, a music venue here in midtown atlanta it's been around for a long long time um but they they've have had everyone from john mayer to collective soul play there um but yeah, we, we played our first big show there and then just kind of worked our way up to headlining at the, at the main stage um, over the course of a couple of months. So just they, they've been really great to us, I think, there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, once again, that foot in the door. Yeah. I would say for my for new artists, balancing egos in a band with songwriting and feeling fulfilled in a song and especially, you know, it's an exercise with us. Because we all write and we all put our equally, we share everything equally with our partnership that's the band, an actual, you know, legal partnership, thanks to our lawyer here. <laughs> and and um, but but from a songwriting perspective, making sure everyone feels fulfilled and and not and being able to get things out and tell people how you feel um, and not and you're and music's a vulnerable thing. And so we're lucky to lucky and gifted and cursed that we're friends from so long that you know, we're able to lean on that, but also, you know, we know what makes each other tick too, you know, cause we're all brothers here. And so it's, uh, 
I, I think that's a tough one. And so, you know, just making sure that you're open and honest about how you feel about songwriting and the process and your feelings, you know, through the, through the process with each other. Yeah. Not letting it build up. You got to be able to have disagreements. You got to be able to hash things out. I would say that's been the biggest shortcoming of every music project we've ever had is ultimately it led to some form of disagreement or, um, misunderstanding, you know, difference in understanding that, that, a different creative direction that, you know, cause us to reiterate. Constructive criticism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's true. Yeah. And knowing when to compromise, you know, a compromise. Yeah. Is it's for the song. And that's what we trust. Like, you know, it's like kind of some woo woo stuff saying, you know, the song talks to you, but it's true. And, you know, we just got to believe in the song. It's got to be whatever we think collectively. We, you know it deep down what sounds best for the song. Yeah, but everybody's got to feel fulfilled. Like you're, in a, you're in a, on a team. You're doing the most difficult group project there is in a band. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, everybody has to feel fulfilled. As the moment when somebody is not, it just is toxic and it just ruins bad. And you got to get that out quick. And if you feel that way, you got to let other people know and we got to hash it out. And that means, you know, kind of arguing sometimes. Oh, yeah. But that's okay because the underlying relationships and our friendships are always there to where we'll have arguments, but we're still brothers. So that's fine. But it's, that, that's probably a big thing for us because. I like the reason we do it, like why we write is because it's our main form of expression and it's our way of like turning bad energy, you know, in our lives or whatever into something we think is beautiful and we enjoy and it gives us joy to play it. Um, and so we have to derive that joy and fulfillment from what we're writing. And we all have to three, we all have to do that individually and collectively. So that's, that's the struggle. So everybody has to feel fulfilled and so difficult. Here's, yeah. Here's the suggestion. If you're going through some shit with your band and you're talking about that, the songwriting process and people aren't feeling filled, just go play. Every time we always just gripe at each other and we go around in a circle and then we go to we're like, all right, let's just go play. And you get frustrated and you go down. And as soon as you hit a first note, you're, everyone's like, yeah, feels so good. And we just realized, <laughs> oh, despite all the talking and stuff, like yeah. together when we play, it, it's great. So we yeah. have a great time. Yeah. It's a good healing process then. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, what we're using. That's why it's so important it's to keep therapy. it positive. Yeah. yeah. Well, with that note, I would like to end the show. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. You guys are, are great. You guys are going down the right path. Um, you know, all these coincidences, you know, it just kind of uh, reminds you that uh, you're doing something right. It feels right. Definitely. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, man. We really great, appreciate man. it. Thank yeah, you. This was great. Any, anything else uh, I didn't cover that you guys want to talk about? Or No, I think the main thing is uh, just look out for the new singles coming. Yeah. And where can they find the new single? It'll be on all, it should be on all streaming platforms. And, you know, it'll be Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, everything. Um, yeah. April 1st. And April yeah, 1st. We'll post about it on all of our socials. So follow our, all our socials. Oh, yeah. Instagram handle is Mount Royal, the band spelt out. Um, on Facebook, it's Mount Royal hyphen band mm-hmm. um, and we have a website uh, com, and uh, and listen to Fretman yeah. did your yeah. research man yeah. Yeah, this is awesome <laughs> yeah Appreciate I try it. I try to do my research <laughs> you're really good at this man yeah uh, love the questions I'm, I'm getting there I'm getting there little by little Stay safe out there, man. With, with yeah, likewise, likewise. You guys stay safe. Um, 
Are you guys going short or shortage on uh, toilet paper here, or you guys are good? <laughs> <laughs> we already had one, but I think we're all good now, right? Good. Yeah. I found some. We all got yeah. it. Bounce. Yeah. <laughs> Pizza sent through. Side of the road, man. Bounce roll. He sent through a video where today that's it, a big old like block of toilet paper and it's zombie noises and there's people <laughs> grabbing it. <laughs> I mean, the silver lining to. The coronavirus, not to make a really dark situation light, but the memes have been pristine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have, that's for sure. All right, well. Well, thank you, guys. I know you guys have a busy day ahead of you. Um, it looks like you guys, you know, you guys are like four brothers just hanging out together. Yeah, we definitely are. That's, that's sweet, you know. You don't see that often, and when you do, uh, it's usually when they're starting, not when they're uh, big and... Hollywood, so. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll yeah. Yeah. But I uh, wish you guys the world of success, and hopefully um, we'll see more of you guys out in the radio and uh, out there in the world, the Sonic Waves. Yeah, well, awesome, you, man. man. Appreciate Thanks. it. You too. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right. Thank, thank you. Wow, what a great interview. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity, Mountain Royal. It's It was incredible. It was nice talking to you, learning more about you guys and the process of uh, songwriting and musical influences that you have. But uh, a special treat, we do have the song Spine, and we're going to go ahead and play it in its entirety. So if uh, you're still listening to this, please enjoy.
Don't forget, purchase their latest single coming out April 1st, Haunted Demand. Do want to thank you listeners for sticking around and making it all the way to the end. And until the next one, be safe and wash your hands. Mm-hmm.